welcome to the EFTM F1 podcast with Trevor Long, Harry Tucker, and Connor McNally. Thanks to KO Sports, all the F1 action live, all season long. And what a weekend to be subscribed to KO Sports. Sprint race, Grand Prix, practice, qualifying, it was all there. Harry Tucker's not with us. He's gallivanting around the world, but Connor McNally is. G'day, mate. How are you doing? Uh, full race or highlights today? Oh, I have to go for the full race. I think the whole weekend was just unbelievable. Probably one of the best races this year, and I think you should watch both the sprint itself and the race in full. Both were fantastic. I agree. Take a day off work and load up KO. Get the sprint race. Enjoy that. You could probably watch Quali. Oh, I'd, I'd go to Q3. I'd go to the last session, just, you know, see yeah. how it panned out and then watch the sprint race and then this one. Now, there are moments within this Grand Prix you could duck off for a pee or whatever, but broadly, it was uh, it was wall-to-wall. I, I enjoyed it. Not wall-to-wall action, but a lot of strategy, a lot of, um, you know, uh, passing here and there, and mm. then moments of just really great action. So we have uh, a brand-new Grand Prix winner, uh, that is George Russell uh, ahead of Lewis Hamilton, Carlos Sainz, Charles Leclerc, Fernando Alonso, Max Verstappen, Sergio Perez, Esteban Ocon, Valtteri Bottas, and Lance Stroll rolling out the 10. Unfortunately, Seb missed out by just the one place. It was um, it was a fascinating one because with the with the Mercedes lined up 1-2, um, it's like it's an unusual but familiar sight, isn't it, Connor? You're going, we're like, we're used to this, but we haven't seen this for so long. It's been a whole year since that. The, yeah, they've really had to fight hard to get themselves back to the front of the field. It's taken them what twenty-one races to be back at the front of the field after what has been like an eternity for them to get themselves familiar with the car and the new regulations. But they finally did, and it wasn't Lewis Hamilton in the end. It was George Russell, and I think every one of us was just happy that George finally got that win. Because if you remember two years ago when he subbed for Hamilton, oh yeah. Yeah, almost to the day. And, you know, your heart broke for him back at that time. But now, two years on, he's a Grand Prix winner. Absolutely you know, love I, it. I actually think as much as that was heartbreaking, I think this is great because I think it's better to win your first Grand Prix in your car, in your seat. Do you I know agree. what I mean? Like, I know he proved – see, what he did back in that race, he proved himself. It wasn't him that it was the fault. He didn't lose that race. So uh, – I actually think this is a great victory for him in that sense. And it was awesome because he's like, I'm going to need tissues. And we're like, you're not crying. I'm crying. I'm not crying. You're crying. It was, it was great. It was, it was beautiful because the thing is, and we'll skip to the end there for a bit, but the thing is he had a safety car restart with 10, 20 laps to go. Uh, No, 10 or 11 laps to go was. Um, And Lewis right beside you or behind you. And at that restart, mate, Lewis was, deadpan he was on the racing line just ready to drop the throttle whereas George was doing the usual warm the tires and then I'm going to go and so it was a risk and let's be clear the team had given racing orders as in you can race guys George I think Martin rightly pointed would have been disappointed to hear from his team when when he said to them what are we doing here are we racing or are we going to go for this one two that we've maintained and they said you're racing but do it cleanly he would have been bitterly disappointed to hear that, but now probably thinking, well, we raced. I agree with that. And I think at that point in time, if if George heard that, he would have his heart would have sunk because he knows that Lewis is one of those ruthless drivers that doesn't take prisons for anyone. But it just turns out that 
George had much better pace than what Hamilton did. And look, Hamilton was probably a little slower throughout the course of the race. He definitely had speed, but I don't, I just don't think of the long, the long term scheme of things. He was going to uh, take it up to George. It was very much a Russell weekend. He, mm-hmm. he really was on pace from the get go. He, he owned this weekend, and, and he deserves the win. And that's that's what's fascinating about this 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 sport generally. Is there a, like all credit to K Mag for his qualification on on pole for the sprint. And he deserved that. It wasn't like he was the only one that went out on on dry tires and then everyone else got caught out. Eight drivers set absolute laps and and he did he happened to be the fastest of them and he won. That that was a deserved pole. So it's kind of the weekend for just earned runs. And I that's what I think is great about it. So full congratulations to George Russell. And he's right. This this is just this is just the start. There's no doubt. And I think at the end of the show, we'll unpack where Mercedes is because I think it's an unbelievable credit to the team where they've gotten to um, in one year because it sounds like a year is a long time, but, you know, in development terms, it's it's actually quite remarkable what they've been able to achieve. Go back to the start. It was a clean start. Um, the onboard showed a pretty consistent start from everyone. I think Lando probably got one of the best starts. Um, it was just, it was just, you know, point perfect. Um, and you know, all, all the way around the first t- turn through the center S's and whatnot, it was, it was clean. Now, Ricardo got a, a really good start. Um, he was back there in like 11th K mag was around eighth. I think he started, but you know, they ended up together. So they were racing and look, Daniel had more speed and coming into, into a, a right-hander Daniel had that moment of, I could dart up the inside here, but I'm not going to. So he backed off. And I think K mag essentially braked or went slower in the turn than he might have, than Daniel might've expected. And Daniel at his entire own fault, and K-Mag is not at all responsible, um, just nudged him, just nudged that rear tire a little and it put him into a spin. And because K-Mag spun, you know, 180 was pointing in the wrong direction. He let the car roll backwards and Daniel went around the outside of him and the car coming backwards, clipped him, put him into the barrier and they were both out on the opening lap. It's one of those moments where you go, oh, Connor, I'm just devastated. But mm-hmm. racing's racing. It is. It is racing indeed. And and look, it was Daniel's fault. You, you've seen the onboard vision. It, it was clear as day that Daniel probably went a little too deep, touched him, spun him around, and you just, your heart just broke for Magnuson after such a strong weekend. And look, I was happy that Magnuson led for like two laps in the sprint. Now, that was a pretty good effort for him to go from Mate, pole to eight. It was a great result to lead yeah. a couple of laps. Let's be honest, that's huge. Mm. And it gives and it gives confidence to, to Haas as well, particularly for next season, if they can continue to develop that car into something that's a little bit more competitive because we saw the shortcomings of the Haas in the opening lap of the race. But I don't think that uh, Magnussen was able to bring anything uh, once he was taken out. And that's a shame because Magnussen, yeah, I think he could have been one of the surprise packets of the race had he stayed on. But Daniel... It, certainly, it was certainly a points finish for him, I think, if, it was. if he'd been able to stay there. But um, what's um, here, here's the question I need answered by the Formula One community, and it will be, I'm sure. The um, Aston Martin medical car turned up the SUV. Uh, K-Mag and Daniel were standing there kind of waiting to get in it, and then the, the cameras cut away. Um, for a couple of laps under safety car, and then we see Daniel in the pits. But then we see K-Mag out on track. Like, why didn't K-Mag get in the car? Why did K-Mag not get a lift back 
to the to the pits. I'm so confused by that. I'm a they were confused. both out at the same well, time. Why was K Mag not back at the pits? I, I'm trying to work it out myself because it, it, it's like he didn't even return. He didn't return to the pits at all for the rest of the race. It's like he didn't return to his own pit bunker, and and mm. a lot of people noted that. So whether he refused and he was wanting to sulk, you know, away from the team or whatever. I mean, it was a pretty big blow for him after what has been a very yeah, strong weekend. But yeah, I'm I'm. I'm trying to work that one out myself. So if anyone knows out there, let us know. So we get a restart and it's a solid restart again, but Max, you know, strong performance down the straight around the outside of Lewis. Um, And we have a coming together on what is actually kind of known as turn two, but it's really multiple turns, right? One, two, three, it's kind of all the same thing. Um, And Max goes around the outside of that uphill turn one. Coming into turn two, he's obviously on the inside, but he's behind and nudges towards the axle, but I don't think he's close to the axle. Um, and Lewis is penalized. Sorry, Lewis Lewis is pushed forward and pushed. He's penalized by Max because he's pushed out and way out. Max loses front wing. Max gets a five-second penalty for that. Martin Brundle believes that's Lewis's fault. I, I think that's the exact scenario. That should be called a racing incident. It's too close to call, as far as I'm concerned. That that's a racing incident. Uh, I don't think Lewis would have been aware that Ham uh, was that Verstappen was alongside him at that point in time, and mm-hmm. he probably thought he was ahead ahead of him enough to turn right before you turn left as you come out of the centre S's. Uh, but I don't think he realised that. Verstappen was right alongside him, and of course they touched. And we know the yeah. history between those two. Uh, and then Lewis, Lewis confirmed that at the start, at the uh, the press conference, or well, the, the interviews for the podium afterwards. He says, oh, "I really don't have anything to say. We 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 all know Max, and something like that." And that was <laughs> that was kind of enough. Although I think genuinely, if you had aerial direct overheads and all the onboards, you would look at it and go, "I think Lewis could have turned in." a bit later and given that that space and made it something different. But then again, you know who you, you're contending against. If you just keep giving them space, they're just going to keep taking it. So I, I, that's why I struggle with this as a, as a penalty at all, because in the end, I know the teams don't want it because it costs them money, but that's the kind of racing we want. We want drivers taken out because they took risks. Um, Daniel took a risk um, and he was taken out. I, I mean, it's, it's annoying, but that's, that's the that's the he wasn't penalized for the risk that he took. He was penalized because the risk had implications, and that was the spinning of the car. Um, so I think it is for me racing incident, and I think that Max um, will will rue that that five second penalty. But it was probably a moot point given a couple of safety cars that followed would have won him back those five seconds with ease. So then we continue on that re- that same restart lap, and Lando Norris into a into a more sweeping, not quite tight right hander. I think understeered into Charles Leclerc, who was taking a bold move around the outside, don't you reckon? I I agree with it, but I thought maybe Lando was being a little too cheeky, being cocky again. But you're right, he understeered, touched Lando, uh, not Lando, ch- touched Leclerc, and uh, Lando spun off. I thought that was the end of the race for for Charles. And I that know. Was, I'm thinking, where's been, the safety car? <laughs> that would have been a race ender for him right then. That would have given Checo big opportunity to to lead. Leclerc going into the final race next weekend, but as it turns out, he was to, he was back on the track with very little damage. I was he hit the shocked. wall reasonably hard, but he hit it on a I'm gonna say thirty degree angle, front end first, and destroyed the front wing. 
but was clearly able to get running and get back and have the wing replaced. It was it was phenomenal because that Ferrari has cops and brunts and its integrity has been questioned many times. So Absolutely. Charles Leclerc, you know, essentially the back of the pack, having had to pit and pit early, which throws you out of strategy and a bunch of other things. Mm. I thought it was. I thought that the fact that he was able to get fourth and he'll dispute whether he should have had more, but we'll talk about that. Is still a great, great result for him. So you've now got you, you let it settle a bit for a lap or two, and you've got Schumacher in eighth, you've got Vettel in fifth, you've got Hamilton in kind of tenth, coming back through. He gets to sixth in the end, pushing those those guys both back. And Hamilton in the end, uh, by sixteen laps in, is up to fourth. Now his off wasn't you know uh, a spin or into the wall. He he was off potential floor damage and, you know, essentially let a bunch of cars pass. It did look though, didn't you think like Lewis had a puncture or something when he was coming on off that straight into out of three between three and four, I thought Lewis's race was over. Yeah. Cause he copped a, bit, a fair, a fair hit from Verstappen and he said he was reporting on the radio to Bono that oh, I got some damage. Is there any damage? And he said, not from our, well, Bono said to him, there's no damage coming back to us from the telemetry. So yeah, he copped a fair hit, but, it wasn't enough to to bring him undone in the end, and as it turned out, his pace wasn't affected. It was actually he was able to keep up with the pace as soon as uh, he was able to recover, and he was very quick from that point on. He managed yeah. to recover and get himself back up into the top three. So Lando and Max both get uh, penalties, which they served during pit stops. Ocon's up into eighth, and this is starting to look good for Alpine because mm-hmm. they were so far back on the on the grid. You got to remember, Alpine started the race in I think sixteenth and seventeenth. And finish the race in fifth and eighth. Yeah. So that's a very good result, given they they had a coming together in the sprint. Otmar's filthy. Alonso's had a gut full. Like it's all happening at that team in reality, isn't it? So <laughs> it's, I think, like a, it's carnage central at Alpen at the moment. Yeah, it's uh, it's not a place where the HR department would be keen if it was a normal workplace because those two. Alonso and Ocon, clearly Alonso, not a fan. So, which does foreshadow an interesting year ahead with Pierre Gasly and Ocon, but we'll get to that another day. So for me, I felt like the rest of the race I described as a tire and pit strategy race, which I don't mind. So here's my people thinking, well, it wasn't actually, if you watch the whole race, it wasn't that action packed. It, It had lots of moments of action, but there was lots of moments of racing, right? But the thing is, because it wasn't a one stop race, there was clearly going to be strategy. When do you pit? If you've had to pit early because, um, so Sainz, for example, came in with a rear brake. It looks like it was on fire. They say it was because there was a tear off in the brake. And so little things like that put their strategy out, right? A one stopper, a couple of things happen. Um, It becomes very predictable. And secondly, if you are forced to do something different, it does pretty much ruin your race. Whereas in a multi-stopper, you can come back through strategy. So. I truly believe the tires by Pirelli should be built to never last half a race. Like that to me kind of seems like the most logical thing that Formula One could do. I don't care if they have to add tire numbers for the weekend. Can we just make them never, they should last a third of the race. I have to agree with that. I I really do because what we saw this morning was, great racing in terms of strategy like those tires they made they were made to work hard and i think we're now to the point that we need to have tires that they're not going to last an entire race i mean i just i just find it mind-boggling that you know you wanting to conserve your tires go hard go really really hard and make your tires work hard 
and then stop. Spice up the racing a little bit. Uh, that's what we want, and we saw that this morning with multiple pit stops. I think a, you know one-stop racing just makes it too predictable at the best of times, particularly when you go to a track that's not that conducive to passing. In this yeah. case, Brazil was great. Interlagos is a great track for that kind of yeah. racing, and we, we saw that. Yeah, and look, the passing is is one part for sure, and that that's a track issue in many cases, DRS decision stuff like that. But the tire issue, you think of the number of races, and someone would do the numbers, but the number of races this year which were a one stopper, that is bad for the sport because it means that there's no no multiple chances for undercuts, there's no multiple chances for issues and errors. You know, they're uh, like let's be clear, Red Bull were amazing. They replaced Max's nose in ten seconds. I've never but heard there were there yep. were like George's stop was three seconds instead of two. So there was there was a delay there. So <laughs> things are things can happen in the pits, and that's why the old days of refueling were were good yet dangerous, but th- that added complexity, and that's essentially what I think the sport needs. So that that's what's critical here. We get like it literally is a tire strategy race here. We get through to lap 53, and Lando has an engine or hydraulics failure, pulls off. Not quite enough to the side of the road for it to be okay. Virtual safety car, they start pushing the car. I think just simply because the virtual safety car was out for so many laps or was in place for so many laps, they were forced to bring the safety car out. It Mm. then seemingly took forever for them to validate and let the lap drivers through. Now, here's the problem. I'm confident if I went back to the replay that it said two cars were to unlap themselves, and they did. But there was a third car, Sonoda. Yeah, and he so didn't get led through. There's an investigation. Obviously, once you listen to this, you probably already know the answer, but Sonoda didn't get led through, but yet he pushed himself through, and then he's like, what's going on here? The thing's ending. So he, amazingly, he actually, on the main straight, you'll notice, he pulled over to the side and went, I'll just let all you guys through. Like, that's, he actually let himself go back to the back or close to the back again, which I thought was excellent driving by him, It's if it's what I observed. Um, but how they stuffed that up, uh, I don't know, mate. Like, that, that seemed a computer error. There seems there's been a few dud calls by race control this year, hasn't there? Like that one there. I mean, I can't believe they they overlooked Sonoda. They let both Albon and Latifi through. Fair point, but the fact that they completely ignored Sonoda, I, I'm still trying to work out why they missed that one. It, That's it, just an instinct, though, to let the Williams through. If if Albon was leading the race behind the safety car, the safety car message would be letting the Williams through. Like you just go, oh, it must be Williams that needs left car. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's just a reflection. But hey, just the other thing, I don't know if you watched the full Timo Glock Lewis Hamilton interview, but I did. Yeah, I did. Timo Glock asked Lewis about last year, and it was like he didn't know he was going to ask. It was like he just, he was like he was just a punter asking the question. You know, did it feel the same watching uh, Brazil 2008 as it did, you know, thinking about last year? Um, And Lewis thought about it for a second and he said, and I'd have to quote him directly, but he said words along the lines of, well, no, because a person made that decision to manipulate that race. Mm-hmm. Like that's what he said. So I just, I'm, I'm a little bit blown away that he still harbors that kind of wording, but obviously he lost the world championship. So that makes sense. But I, 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 that I recoil a little bit when he said that I thought, gee whiz, wow, that's, um, that's a very strong choice of words that he used. So fascinating mm-hmm. that one. And if, if you're an F1 journo, those are the kind of little things, like all these little things we talk about, you know, why was K-Mag on the side of the track? You know, what did Lewis say there? Why, why is Max? We'll get to Max in a minute, but there's some things he said. Those are all the little unpackings for the next week, aren't they? There's there's oh, yeah. always a lot to unpack about this sport in between races. 
It's interesting. I watched that interview as well with Timo, and Timo was unfairly targeted after the race, uh, and, and very unfairly because he was just, I guess, wrong place at the wrong time. He, he, he cocked up as he was heading you know, on that last lap, and Lewis was able to take that opportunity. I mean, that world championship in 08, that was anyone's. Matthew could have won it. Hamilton could have won it. In the end, it was Hamilton that won it. I mean, it broke Brazilians at the hearts of many Brazilians, but that was a fantastic outcome on so many levels. And unfortunately, he's always going to be a villain. And it's much like last year with Latifi. He was the villain. And then, of course, we saw the calamity of what happened. We won't mm. touch on that again. But, I think yeah. Simon Lazerby was right. I think we now need to see Massa and Hamilton sit down about it. That'd be fascinating. I would so- love to. The during or just as the safety car is broadly coming to an end, but you know, with time to go, George Russell says to his team, Are we racing, racing or securing the one, two? And they said, You're racing. So, what did you think at that point? I was a bit concerned for George. I was a bit concerned that Lewis was going to be, you know, ha- would have the red eyes on it. He would just go for it. And you, and as I said before, he's he's that kind of ruthless driver that does not give an inch in any way whatsoever. Mm. Uh, but as it turned out, he just didn't have that same kind of pace as George. He was very close. He was like within 1.2 seconds uh, in the end, but just not enough to to really get past George. And George definitely had pace. And, yeah, he had maybe tyres that were a little bit older than Lewis's, but um, in the end, it, it was all relative, I think. I think. I think the team had enough confidence in George that he was able to hold his own against Lewis. Yeah, yeah. So the the restart goes, it's good, it's a great race. Uh, George races and he, he gets a 1.5 second gap over Lewis. I'm sure with a couple to go, Lewis is like, okay, well, I'm done now, we, we tried. Um, but you know, Lewis, Lewis ends with a four second gap to Carlos. Um, the, the gaps there, you know, uh, actually maybe that's the gap, I'm looking at the gaps, to maybe that's to leader. Um, so two and a half second lap to Carlos. Uh, gap to Carlos um, in third. So Lewis had a healthy spot to to maintain his second. And I think Lewis genuinely has grown up. I genuinely think he would have raced that and gone, this is the this is amazing for the team. The team, yes. everyone in the team needs this lift. And I think I will give Lewis that credit that he has matured so much that he appreciates the and it may be some of those incidents with Nico and others that made him realize this, that, you know, it's not a, it's not a sport of one, it's a sport of thousands. Yes. And when he says, I genuinely feel Lewis, uh, believe Lewis, when he says on the radio th- to the team in the factory, you've worked hard for this, because let's be clear, mate, at the start of the year, they were nowhere. And so for them to come back and they've had a couple of competitive cars uh, over the last few races for them to come back with this is massive for the team and massive for 2023. Absolutely. And Mercedes have had to really fight hard this year to get to a competitive stage of where they are now to fight against Ferrari and Red Bull. It's been weird all year that they have really struggled. And I thought, and I think I might have said this at the beginning of the year, that I was unsure that if Mercedes were ever going to win a race, given how uncompetitive they were they Mm. have really worked hard to get to this point now and they finally got a win i really am glad they've got that win but i really wanted george to win this one i know i would have loved to have seen lewis one we're going oh here we go again but the fact that russell has won and he won fair and square that makes the victory a much happier outcome for everyone i think and and you're right lewis has definitely matured uh in, in terms of you know the 
being a part of the team and it's not all about him. And I'm glad about that. I think he's now realised, you know, at this stage of his career, he's nearing the end. You know, he's now, I guess you could say, in the twilight of his career. I think he's now starting to realise that, yeah, it's it's a team effort. And, you know, yeah. the, the energies have to go on to George at some point once he steps back. The, the interesting thing, though, is if they get to the first, you know, testing and then first couple of rounds next year and they've got a super competitive car, um, you know, George has got to look at it and go, in, it kind of, it's kind of like he needs a genuinely real conversation with Toto and Lewis that says, listen, if, if I'm, if I'm to help Lewis win this world championship, is it, is it his last? Is he out? Because George is going to want the world championship and he's going to want it in a car and you've got to be careful these cars change, right? So Lewis is going to want to go out with the world championship. There's no doubt. Well, so that'll really, be fascinating for early next year. Absolutely. If, if Lewis comes out and wins the world championship next year, I mean, I'm only, and I'm only predicting here, we don't know what's going to happen until next year, but if he wins it, I would say that would be it. That'll be the eighth world title. He'll retire, and oh, yeah. and and that'll be George George's for the taking. But if George fights for the world title, yeah, I would love to be a fly on the wall to see what is going to happen at at, at um, Brackley. I so <laughs> speaking of world champions who are assholes when they're younger, um, Max mm. Verstappen, um, <laughs> yes, he he's now a two time world champion. Yes. He um, had soft tyres on at the end of the race. Sergio Perez had mediums. Sergio Perez was in sixth place uh, and to, for edification, Charles Leclerc in fourth. Sergio is chasing Charles Leclerc for second in the World Championship. I've said a million times, second doesn't matter. No one cares. But there is something that matters. Red Bull has never in the team's history of all their World Championships with uh, Max and with Sebastian, have never, and with Mark Webber alongside Sebastian, they've never come first and second in the Drivers' Championship. So they've never won the world title, a Drivers' title, and second in the world title in one year. So that's a that's a goal. Like, that's a thing for this year, right? So Max Verstappen has slightly faster tyres, and he comes up to uh, Sergio, and he is told over the radio to go and get some points off Charles and, and Alonso. That's what he's told over the radio. Perez is then told he'll give it back if he's if he doesn't pass them. He'll give it back on the last lap if he doesn't pass them. That's what Perez is told on the radio. They fight, they race, he goes forward. Max gets to within half a second of Fernando. And somewhere in the last lap, because team radios are delayed. Anyone watching and doesn't know team radios are delayed, you don't see them live. It, it, you, the, over the course of the days ahead, you'll find out exactly where those radio messages were said. But what matters now is Max was told on the last lap, Max, give Sergio back the place. Um, he's fighting for the second in the championship or whatever he's told. Um, that's what we agreed. Max passes the checkered flag behind Fernando Alonso with Sergio Perez behind him. And I nearly threw something at the television um, <laughs> thinking, what has just happened here? Now, yeah. It plays out a bit, and we finally hear the team radio. Max says to the team, don't ask me that again. I've told you my reasons why. So that's what he's saying. Now, I, I don't know if you've seen this yet, but I can tell you now that Perez's response to Max passing the line, crossing the line in front of me was, it shows who he really is. Wow. Yeah. Wow. No love lost. I, I, I would say that that uh... – that uh, harmony between the two has been irreparably damaged by by what's happened there. And With I, one I, decision by Max, he ruins what what is a great team atmosphere. 
Absolutely. It's just selfishness on a, on a whole new level. And I guess, yeah, we probably have been critical in the past of when we talked about Hamilton being selfish and, you know, when he carries on like a child. But obviously this year he's a lot more mature. But, you know, in the past we've been critical of him and his behaviour. And now we're doing it to the same to Verstappen. I mean, I guess once you become world champion, you, you kind of get this privilege that, you know, you you have the sway of the team and, you know, you, you can do whatever you want mentally in your head. But, uh, yeah, just the ego that comes with it, it's breathtaking, particularly with – and I would say this is in retaliation for what happened in Monaco when Checo won. Well, that's what Martin's saying, right? So Checo yeah. – Checo, what, got a red flag in quali, which uh, denied Max the chance to get the fastest lap, which he was on, and therefore qualifying pole, which denied Max the win at Monaco, right? So that's that's essentially what we're alleging here. Absolutely. Uh, and we will never know, you know, but the fact is... Well, I'll go one up on that, and I'll say this. Sergio Perez has been the ultimate wingman for Max Verstappen. If Max Verstappen doesn't remember uh, Abu Dhabi 2021, where Sergio Perez was an absolute beast, he was and gross. defending and put like he, he, Ma, Lewis, seriously, Max needs to stand up and apologize because it's the most disgraceful thing he could have done today. Because, and we'll get to it in a second, but he's now left Sergio neck and neck on points with Charles Leclerc at Abu Dhabi now. Sergio's not going to care deeply about second place in the world championship, but what he will care about is the fact that his teammate has no respect for his second place in the world championship. And his teammate has no respect for the team getting first and second in the world championship. It speaks volumes, doesn't it? It absolutely speaks volumes that it's all about him and no one else. And I I don't know. And I don't even know if, if, um, if Christian's going to pull him into line, I'd be very, because Christian loves him. It's yeah. No. There's a love affair between those two. We won't go there. <sighs> There's always a love affair between Christian and his number one. Um, multi-21, Seb, multi-21. Yes. yes. Um, look, I I think it was the most disappointing thing I've seen in a long time because there's nothing to gain for Max. Nothing except some. Wrapped he, wrapped up, he wrapped it up ages ago. Why Why be that selfish and deny your own teammate the chance to finish 1-2 in the Drivers' Championship? I, I just find that absolutely staggering that he defied team orders. Just ridiculous. Yeah. I um, I wish I had the audio here, but I'm, I'm seeing it online right now. So, uh, yeah, it'll be fascinating to see what Checo says about it. Um, I'm just... I'm just going to try for a second here. I just don't even know if this will work, Connor. Let, let's, you know, let's give it a go. Why not try it, right? But let me just see if I can play the sound through this button here. And no, it doesn't work. Um, I I just cannot wait, cannot wait to hear what, um, what Checo has to say because it's really sad for him. It's really disappointing. Mm. And um, he's, he's probably been one of the better drivers you know, in the last couple of years. I mean, to get this second chance after he got let go by Racing Point, which is now Aston Martin, and to get the opportunity to be the ultimate wingman, as you said, to Verstappen, he's done an outstanding job. And you know, to, I would love for him to finish second. I think that would be really perfect, a perfect way yeah. to end the, end the year. And look, I would yeah. love for him to challenge for the world title. That won't happen, unfortunately, but it would just be nice. He, he, I mean, he was out. I don't even think Sergio himself thinks he's challenging for the world title. But was almost what he's challenging point. for is respect as a racing driver, yeah. respect from your team and your teammates, 
And he has absolutely gotten the respect of the world of Formula One as a driver and as a teammate and as a rear gunner and as a wingman. The fact that his teammate doesn't respect him is very, very sad. Anyway, what is the wrap-up here? Constructors' Championship first. Constructors' Championship. Red Bull clearly ahead, 719 points. But the battle for second in the Constructors' Championship going into the final race next weekend, 524 Ferrari. 505 Mercedes, 19 points the difference. So Ferrari need to have a horribly bad race for Mercedes to to wrap wrap up second in the championship. Mm. In the battle for fourth, Alpine are now 19 points ahead of McLaren, and I'm calling it Alpine will claim fourth in the Constructors' Championship. Basically with both of those positions, Mercedes would need another one, two, and Ferrari to struggle. Uh, and Alpine, likewise, would need to be out of the points and McLaren have a double points, solid double points finish. It's it's a very unlikely scenario now for McLaren. Exactly. So they've gone in the last couple of years, they were third in 2020, fourth mm. last year, and fifth. That's a big fall as far yeah. as I'm concerned. The battle for six, that is just as interesting. Again, point, uh, not just points, but money for next year. Alfa Romeo, 55 points. Aston Martin, 50. So there's five points the difference. And Aston Martin had a very good race, even though they only had strong finishing in 10th. Sebastian was very unlucky to not finish in the top 10. He had a storming race. Uh, Haas, because of uh, Magnussen finishing in the sprint, because you get points in that, they're now two points ahead of Alfa Tauri, 37 to 35. There's your true fall from grace, Alfa Tauri. That's horrible. That's a horrible result for them. They've had a terrible year. They've really, like... They really need to steal some more info from their sister team. They do. It's just... I'm shocked that they've gone that far backwards. Williams, well, we we expected they were going to be last. They're still last. Eight eight points in 10th position. All right. Give us the top five and the drivers. Top five. Okay. Max Verstappen, clearly ahead. 429 points. But the battle for sec... As we've already established, just Claire, Sergio Perez... 290 points, equal second. It's all or nothing in the final race, much like last year when it was the battle for first. George Russell is now in fourth position. Lewis Hamilton, fifth position, 240 points, but he's about six points ahead of Carlos Sainz. So the battle for fifth, very, very strong going into the No one cares about any of those positions. And the only reason we care about second in the Drivers' Championship is because it will be a landmark for Red Bull. And I have paused my KO um, coverage of the Formula 1 Grand Prix at the podium because I am going to sit down after this podcast and I'm going to watch all the interviews. I want to hear what Christian says. I want to hear what Toto says. I definitely want to hear what Checo says. And if Max speaks, I may listen, but uh, only if he exposes his actual reasons because he, it was a dog act is what I've described it as. I thought it was disgusting. And, uh, it's a, it's interesting to read people's take on it because um, someone tweeted Lee Diffie, who's you know Aussie great race commentator in America, who said, "I haven't seen the race yet because of football, but is it worse than multi twenty one?" And Lee Diffie said, "No, nothing's worse than multi twenty one." You know what? I'm going to say this is close. It's pretty close. Just the fact. The yeah. only difference is the only reason multi twenty one's worse is because it's a, it's a Formula One win for Australia. But anyway, that's a that's a whole other issue. Um, Connor, we have one race to go. One One final race in the uh, Formula One World Championship uh, for 2022. Thanks to KO Sports here on the EFTM F1 podcast. Abu Dhabi uh, next weekend. Um, You've got live on KO. You've got practice on Friday night at 9 o'clock, midnight Saturday morning. Um, 
Practice three, 9.30, Saturday night, qualifying at 1 a.m. Sunday morning. And the race, midnight, Monday morning, um, just for a bit of fireworks potentially, especially if if it all goes um, interesting and well for, for Mercedes. This could be a cracker. We know that Mercedes knows that track and, and has, well, things to make up for. So yes. uh, it'll be a fascinating one, don't you reckon? I'm, I'm quite looking I'm- forward to it. I am too. I am. I think it's it's not on the same level as last year, but I, I'm actually just ex- as excited to actually watch the final race of the season. You know, I think it's going to be an absolute cracker. And uh, if if anything was if anything was to go by from last year, I think it's going to be yeah, just as good. Bring it on! All right, Harry. I don't know. I guess he'll be back. I didn't know he was in LA. I, he uh, I didn't he know traveled he was there either. He travelled for meetings about the Formula One season without our knowledge. So um, that's very interesting. We'll have to see mm. what happens. Um, um, <laughs> thanks for your company, Connor, and uh, thanks everyone for listening. And thanks to Kaya for their support of the Formula, Formula One podcast here on EFDM. We're back next week, Connor. Talk to you then. See you, mate.